Good evening. Thank you for joining us uh, for the third session and the final session of Hard Truths, Being Transgender and Christian, a conversation series hosted by Free Community Church in conjunction with Pinkfest this year. I'm Miak, the Executive Pastor of Free Community Church and your host for tonight. For those of you who are not familiar with FCC, we are a non-denominational progressive Christian church that affirms all people regardless of race, religion, nationality, gender identity, sexual orientation, economic status, or, or any other category. All people are individually of sacred worth created in God's image. Free in Free Community Church stands for first, realize everyone's equal, equally beloved, equally of worth. While FCC as a church has its view on Christianity, and sexuality, we make no requirement for participants to hold the same views or the same beliefs on faith and sexuality as us, or to adopt them after participating in this conversation. Our intention is to allow stories to be heard so that we can build bridges of understanding and help folks who feel isolated and alone hear echoes of their own stories here so they know they are not alone. So each person here is speaking in their own capacity, from their own experiences, and we do not speak on behalf of other people. I do realize we're not very diverse here in terms of race and social economic class. And I want to recognize that before we start. And transgender people still face a lot of discrimination. So today, Claire is using a pseudonym and wearing a face shield so we do not jeopardize Claire's safety and well-being. So let's just kick things off and get our panelists to introduce themselves. Rain. Hi, I'm Rain. I'm a trans man. I identify as a bigender and I'm gay. And I transitioned uh, about six years ago at the age of 35. I'm very blessed to have two kids who are aged 9 and 11. Hi, my name is Moy. I'm class mother. Oh. <clears throat> Hi, um, so I'm Claire. Uh, I'm a trans woman. I have been transitioning for about uh, five years. I guess I would like to acknowledge that I'm quite, I don't think my story is very representative of most trans people. I'm quite um, blessed. So, but anyway, that's, uh, I'm just speaking on my own as for what I know. Thank you. I want to ask um, all of you, to, no, Claire and Rain to share, but maybe Claire first. Can you share with us your experience? When do you come to realize you were transgender? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I think I first realized something about being transgender when I was about maybe primary three. Um, I didn't really know the words for it, so I didn't uh, do anything about it. Um, only when I was in NS, then I finally realized that, you know, being transgender is something that other people are feeling too. So... Um, and then a bunch of stuff happened after that, so, yeah. Rain, how about you? Well, I remember that when I was as young as five or six, um, early dreams where I'm a boy in the dream. And in my teenage years, when puberty hit, I think that was when I knew um, there was another part of me. But very similar to uh, Claire, there were no words um, to kind of like describe what I was feeling inside. Back then, the media would um, simply portray um, transvestites as uh, deviant. 
and there was no concept of uh, being a trans man. Yeah. So, um, starting from Raina, what challenges do you face after that realization, and how do you journey from there? So, when I was in my teenage years, I um, received Christ, um, and as a conservative Christian, actually, I struggled um, for over 20 years because I just thought that there was some twisted sin in me that um, kept making me want to be a guy. And whether it was in my waking hours or in my sleeping hours, you know, uh, basically this, this, would, this identity of myself would just surface. And every time after I dreamt about it, you know, I would go to God and say, please forgive me. And that basically continued for over 20 years. And what happened was that at the age of uh, 34, I decided um, to quit the well-paying job because I was thinking, oh, it's this sin and maybe it's my uh, communication with my then-husband that was terrible, so I should um, go to a job that was a bit more balanced, that I could spend more time communicating with my, uh, my husband and also get my walk right with God. But what happened at the new job instead was that within months, I was back to the same state. And that was when I knew that there was, uh, it was actually me and not the job that I had to sort out. And when I started um, spending time just listening to what was uh, trapped inside for 20 over years, um, a a lot of things uh, came out and that was when I accepted the possibility that I was a transgender guy. And then suddenly a lot of things clicked together and made sense. Um, but there was also an outpouring of uh, emotions because those things have been stuck inside for 20 over years. And um, I took a few months, quite a few months to process it. Yeah. How about you, Claire? What about you? How was your journey like? So I think for my journey, um, I know a lot of people struggle with self-acceptance, although strangely for me, I didn't um, worry too much about that. I kind of accepted the fact that I was trans more readily, I guess. Um, I think one of the hardest parts about first realizing that is... Sorry, Claire, can you bring the mic closer ah, to your... Sorry. Yeah. Um, okay, so one of the hardest parts about first realizing is that um, just finding resources on what to do once I'm trans. For example, a medical transition or just a community to talk to. And I guess one of the other very difficult things, the big challenges was telling my parents uh, because, you know, they were... Up till that point in time, they had been quite conservative and had expressed that they don't support transgender people. Um. So I moved to Moy, right? Um, and this is something that I do remember back in 2013 when um, I received your email, right? And this is how it reads. Um, um, Dear Sir, Madam, I read about your church from, I read about your church from the internet. I have a very close relative who is struggling with a transgender issue. I need to talk some, to somebody about it. Both my husband and I are Christians from a traditional background, so we find this whole issue very, very troubling. 
con confusing and it's turned our world upside down. Who can I speak to and what number can I call? When Claire first told you that um, she was transgender, how do you feel about that? Oh, the world turned upside down. We were at a loss. We really don't know what to do. We knew nothing about what uh, transgender is. We thought it's being gay or homosexual. So really, really at a loss. And what do you do after that? Um, Claire wanted to start on hormone therapy immediately. Um, I told her to wait. So about two weeks after receiving the news, she was studying overseas at that time, my husband and I flew down to see her. So during these two weeks, I did as much information gathering as possible. I met with people. That was when I met you yeah, and read up about it. And then my husband and I, we flew down and we had a really, really good talk uh, with Claire. Um, we kind of persuaded plus also threatened her that you cannot start on hormone immediately. Otherwise, I will cut off all financial supply. I was so desperate. <laughs> and we said, we are not saying no, but you have to wait for us to find out more. So she waited for us for about a year before we were comfortable to let her start the hormone therapy. And what do you do about the shame? Ah, uh, shame. Uh, I think after doing all my homework, after talking to the professionals, the medical staff, the doctors, the psychologists, the pastors, both the liberal and the progress, and the, the sorry, the liberal and the conservative ones, and my husband and I, we came to the conclusion that if we do not support Claire, we will lose this child. We will lose this child to either depression or maybe even suicide. So we have to ask ourselves this question, do I want a living daughter or a dead son? Of course, we feel that we want a living daughter. So if that is the way we will go, then I will do whatever I can to explain to people around me about our situation. If they accept, that's good. If they are not accepting, I th we think that um, the well-being of our child is more important than the acceptance of people. Then I will just be thick-skinned, I don't care about what you think, and just go ahead and support my child. I think that's how we manage this, uh, what do you call that? Shame. And at the end of the day, we also came to the conclusion that Claire a transition is not out of rebellion or not a sinful act of rebellion. So it is who she is and that's nothing to be ashamed of. Thank you very much, um, you know, Moe, <laughs> you know, to, to see your passion and your love for Claire. It's, it's so, so real, right? Yeah. Rain, how about you? What was your experience um, with regards to this um, and your family? So when I accepted myself, uh, as transgender, there was a great um, sense of uh, relief and release. But with that, I had been with my partner for 16 years and we had two young kids who were four and two back then. And as a parent I've, and also as a partner of 16 years, right? Um, I felt that I owned him a lot um, and I had to be absolutely sure 
that this was my identity um, and this was what I was struggling with before I shared it with him. And um, so I shared it with him in stages. I did let him know that, you know, I was struggling with something big and I needed time um, before I could share with him. But once it became uh, certain, we spent time really talking. And of course, he was quite shocked. And uh, it took uh, a while, a few good months, I would say. Uh, but that was also a very good process because um, we had very long, deep talks that we never had before. And through going this process as a family, in fact, our conversation and communication channels are much more open now as compared to the past. So that's with uh, my partner. And our children surprised uh, me with how perceptive they were, even for someone so young. My younger one, when she was uh, five years old, without um, any help at all, um, she expressed that I was both uh, male and female. And I, I did not give her any uh, concept of, you know, whether I was transiting or what's transgender. And that was something that she said. So my parents were actually dead against my transition. Um, and one of the reasons was that they were very concerned for their grandchildren. Um, they said that my kids were confused as to what is male and what is female. And I think that was quite reassuring to actually see from my own kids that that was not the case, that they were not confused at all. Um, and for the case of my parents, they were conservative. I, I think that's this you know, whole idea of, of shame as well. But my, I would say that my parents have done an amazingly great deal for me. My dad is really amazing. Um, as the breadwinner of the family, he still made time to uh, hang out with me and my brother and even got very involved in our studies. So it was very difficult at the beginning because um, he was just very tense and um, co conversation was very uh, abrupt. Um, and I still wanted him to enjoy the company of um, his grandkids because they bring him so much joy. So every weekend was really, frankly, a struggle. Um, but I would say after two to three years, he realized that I'm practically basically still the same person. My values are unchanged and things are a lot better now. Yeah. Um, so moving from family, um, what about your faith journey in this process? I think we'll start with um, Rain. Um, how did your faith impact your transitioning process? And how will you, before um, and after your transition, did it impact your, your faith? Yeah. I grappled a lot with my identity as a gay male. Um, and it wasn't because I was transgender, because there's really nothing in the Bible that's against uh, being transgender. So it was the gay part of me that I had to struggle with. And um, to be frank, I would not have uh, transitioned without having some kind of uh, deep assurance that God still loved me and that you know, being gay is not a sin. And how that came to me was that one day, um, so this was after a few months of struggle, when I was having my daily job, then the still 
small voice that was God asked me, Rain, um, why do you love your child? Then I asked God, what, what do you mean, why do I love my child? I, I love my child. It doesn't matter uh, whether my child has done this or that, or it doesn't matter whether my child has done anything. From the moment that my child was born, I have loved them. And then that still small voice then said that, that is the way it is, I with you. And I was just so overwhelmed by the sense of God's peace and love. And that was when I knew that God has always accepted me fully, even when I had not yet accepted myself. Thank you so much. Claire, what about your story? Um, yeah, so at first, um, before I transitioned, I was very... Um, I found it very difficult to go out and meet people. So, of course, this translated to uh, finding it very difficult to go to church. Um, yeah, so I guess um, people usually ask me, how did I get over this? How did I end up going back to church? And uh, to be honest, the answer was it just took a lot of time, time to get more used to talking to people, time to get to, I guess, let the transitioning process um, continue. Um, I guess uh, when I was studying overseas, I actually went to a church. So it was a Chinese Chinese church. Um, I didn't really expect them to be um, accepting because it's Chinese. Uh, but actually, they were very accepting. So I think um, with regards to my transition, I don't think the church in this case was a big impediment. In fact, it quite helped that they um, were so accepting. Um, but of course, I still found it hard to talk to people. So I didn't really go very often. Uh, yeah. So it's very interesting that, you know, we saw, we very often have stereotypes, right? That, you know, we would think that a Chinese church would be less accepting um, of your identity or your trans identity, but it turns out to be different. I want to move to Moe, right? So from a different perspective, you know, um, what, what was your faith journey like to, um, and what do you go through to the point of acceptance that your child is transgender? Um, my biggest problem was, if I embrace my child, am I uh, like giving up my faith? Am I compromising? You know, am I like gone to the dark side? <laughs> I, I guess I have <laughs> gone to the dark side. Okay, so that really uh, troubled me a lot. Um, so because of that, I really spent a lot of time to search the Bible, to talk to pastors, uh, different backgrounds, you know, like I said, the liberal ones and the conservative ones. In fact, the amazing thing is that the first counsellor that I met, a Christian counsellor, was a very old man and I expected him to say, no, this is a sin. And to my surprise, this counsellor, very old Christian uh, from a traditional Christian background, told me, oh, then you just accept your child and call her Judith. I was like, what? <laughs> okay, anyway, but what was most important is that I think I have reached a point where I have peace inside me. And I know that 
even if at the end of the day, this is a sin, even if it is a sin, I can answer to God. Uh, I have peace of mind that, yeah, that's the most important. I have peace of mind and I can answer to God for what? For, the, for accepting and embracing my child. While you say that, you know, you have gone to the dark side, I don't think so. I think that if it comes from love, it must come from God because God is love. But this was just as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to see how you embraced um, Claire, it's, it's, it's moving. How you and Chi Kiang have embraced her, it's, it's a testimony to God's love. It, it's, it's a witnessing to that love. When I say dark side, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm speaking like from the point of my, uh, uh, my uh, conservative Christians who may view this way of me. So that brings me to the next question. What about your relationships with other Christians, right? Um, and your church? Oh, surprisingly, they are accepting. At least uh, when they talk to me, they are accepting. If they are secretly unaccepting, I don't know. But uh, we did, Chikyang and I, we did a lot of homework. Um, so like before uh, Claire started uh, her, her surgery, we told my cell group people. I wrote a very long letter explaining what happened and gave them each one a copy and asked them to read. And then before the surgery, we told them to pray for us. After the surgery is over, we invited our cell group people to come and have a meal with us together with Claire. And that allows them to meet a transgender person face to face. So then transgender is no longer a theory, but it becomes life. And I think that helps to uh, not only to enable them to accept, but that also builds bridges, which I think is a positive thing. Thank you. Um, how about Claire? How about you? What, what are your relationships with other Christians like, with other, you know, church? Um, to be quite honest with you, I don't really, I think I relate to them sort of in the same way I did before transitioning. Um, I mean, probably this is because the church never really, um, it, from from my experience, was never strictly against my transitioning, so mm. never really said anything. So I, I still relate to them much in the same way that I did before before transitioning. Okay, Rain, how about you? My family had been attending the same church for some sixteen, seventeen years uh, when I came out as transgender. So. I think that there was a very different context because they saw me as a student and then getting married and then having kids. So it was an intergenerational church. And uh, very frankly, um, it was very difficult for many people um, to accept. We shared our story family by family. There were some families, especially our generation, that were more uh, accepting than the older generation. And being part of a larger church, unfortunately, our pastor had to draw the line and he actually asked me to step down from the ministry that I was serving in for some 16, 17 years. And uh, he also asked me not to use the male toilet because he would feel uncomfortable being in the same toilet as me. And having a newly accepted identity, um, that was very hurtful. So church became 
then more of um, us going there to build bridges um, to help people understand. But during the formative um, months, I would say that this became a drain on our energy because church is supposed to be a place where you go and worship God and you fellowship with others and you sit in God's presence. It's not supposed to be you go there and you do ministry, at least not for the congregation. Sorry, Pastor, I think you are the exception. Um, yeah, and what happened was that we still maintain very good friendships and fellowships with many families there. But after some two years of trying to straddle both uh, churches, we decided to make a move to Free Community Church where we were just uh, more at home. And I would so suppose that the other reason why we decided to shift was that both my partner and I, we believe very strongly that um, a person should live true to the way that God has made you. And we didn't want to pass down any sense of shame to our kids. So having our kids being in a supportive and affirming uh, faith environment was also important to us. And that was one of the reasons why we shifted as well. So we can see that um, there's a um, quite a different uh, reaction, right, um, to very two very different um, situations or, or, or journeys in a way. Um, it's not necessarily that everyone's embracing, uh, and also not necessarily that everyone's rejecting, right? Especially when I heard when I heard that more your your cell group was supportive. Of you know of your of your journey, not just supporting you and and Chikyang, but also supportive of Claire, um, and that really made me balk a bit because I've always carried the assumption, right? And we all carry assumptions um, that you know in general, conservative Christians will be rejecting, um, but that's not necessarily so, right? It's a whole diverse landscape of reactions, um, and perhaps. Um, it is about witnessing uh, sometimes, um, them seeing you in the flesh, seeing you as a human being, as beloved child of God, that they will, they will slowly um, change their mind or journey. Um, but also at the same time, um, that burden is not on you. In a way, like, like, like rain, the burden is not on you. Oftentimes, we, we often put the burden on the, on the people to prove themselves in some way. But I think that we also need to have that space to allow God to work in people. Um, and, um, and I hope that all of us um, continue to support all of you on your journeys um, to grow and to help other people grow in understanding as well. And through this, what we are doing today is to share the stories and help everyone grow, right? Um, I want to ask, right, uh, we are moving rather quickly, I'm surprised, um, um, to the ninth question, you know, on my list, and I'm like, oh, we can go to question and answers quite soon. So, if you have some questions for us, please um, type it in the Q and A, and then we will during our we might have a longer Q and A session. Yeah. So, um, back to you, Rain. I just want to ask, you know, what are the blessings um, you think um, as your for, what are the blessings that, that is for being trans? Your trans identity brings some gifts as well. What are they? Well, I think that, um, first of all, I think there's many gifts in everything and, you know, being trans is not being a snowflake. But I've come to uh, appreciate that 
having seen life on both sides, um, previously female and now male, I do notice there are some different ways that uh, God created us different. So, for example, I do notice that the way that male interact with um, each other and the way that communicate, the way that uh, we build bonds, it's really more like hanging out, spending time together, whereas for females, it's really more about the communication of the experience, the emotions, and there's a lot of communication about the types of emotions that you feel. So, uh, of course, there's generalizing and there will always be um, moments um, each of us uh, don't conform to that general description. But I also noticed that the, the way that the Bible is written, being very um, action-packed, and the way <laughs> it is a description of uh, people's action, and um, the way that com even conversation is recorded in the Bible it is very masculine. Uh, in nature and um, and not really how women uh, experience events perhaps yeah and through that I've come to see myself uh, as somewhat of a bridge builder and not just being men and women um, or breaking down gender binaries but for me, there really is no difference of race or gender and we are just all human. Thanks. Um, so, Claire, how about you? Yeah, so I think I want to uh, say something similar to what Rain has said. Uh, being trans has allowed me to you know, see some situations from different perspectives. Um, but also, apart from that, just, um, I guess, by virtue of being trans, I ended up um, joining a group of Christians when I was studying overseas. Um, and... I mean, of course, there were a lot of LGBT people there too, but there were also people who were like um, in more like marginalized groups other, other than being LGBT, like for example, uh, mental health or disability, other um, areas which I think were not, are not very well um, dealt with in the church as, it, as, as of right now. So um, allowed me to see a lot more different perspectives, not just of, you know, being trans, but also perspectives of other people who I wouldn't have met if not for being trans. That's a very interesting point that you brought out, that our experiences as the marginalized help us to identify with other marginalized groups. It sensitizes us. Of course, it could very well uh, make us um, very uh, uh, insensitive, right? We want to protect ourselves and, and we want to... Um, and because the hurt, hurt people hurt people and marginalized people can end up marginalizing other people. But oftentimes, what happens is through our own experiences of being marginalized, uh, we understand the struggle other people are going through and we, and we pay attention to those. And we want to, um, we are able to see, actually in some areas we're actually privileged, right? We are not necessarily totally marginalized. There's a dimension that we actually have power, we actually have privilege, and we try to um, start to broaden out and enlarge the space for more people. And I think that perhaps is the gift of um, queer people in the church, right? Opening up space, not just for other queer people, but also identifying other areas of marginalization. And 
Thanks for your reflection, Claire. So, Moi, how about you? What do you think about um, you know your experience, you and um, and Chikyang going through this? Right? Um, are you able to see it as a gift? Because oftentimes you you might see it as like, ayah, you know, why do you have to go through this? But now looking back, do you see it as a gift? Uh, it has been a very difficult journey. Mm, definitely. Um, seeing it as a gift. Okay, I have one other family member, very close family member, who has um, schizophrenia and has uh, committed suicide. So we are in very close contact with the marginalized, as in the mentally health, ill, and transgender people. So, I, I guess like what she said, it makes me, again, I have double portion, even more sensitive when other people are hurt and in pain. I can feel it much more than before, you know. And that is opening us up to what God feels, right? You know, um, sensitizing us to what God uh, might feel about certain, being brokenhearted about the state of, um, of humanity at this moment, um, how we discriminate, how we create obstacles with one another, how we um, discriminate and, and create unnecessary obstacles in each other's lives in some way, and to some degree even hate each other. And I think that that breaks God's heart. And, and, and in what we go through, we are, we are sensitized to that. And maybe we are called to realign and to bring people along that journey to realign ourselves with God's will and God's love, right? Um, so, your, through your journey, I want to move to the next question. Um, through your journey, what resources actually helped you? Because I think that there are people who are tuning in um, who might... Um, be struggling in different ways, whether they are allies or they are people struggling, you know, starting to realize they might be transgender or family members of um, transgender folk or even friends. Uh, what are resources that helped you? Rain, perhaps you want to start? I would say that I have a lot of help every um, step of the way. Of course, when I was uh, just trying to make sense of the whole situation, I did a lot of Googling, so Google was a good help. And I caught up with the, the signs of uh, transgenderism and um, the difference be between gender identity and uh, sexual identity. That was, that was how um, regressive <laughs> I was. And when I had to deal with the flood of emotions that came at the beginning, um, I would say mindfulness practice helped a lot. The books of uh, Dan Siegel was uh, especially helpful. Um, centering exercises as well. And um, I'm not one to shrink away from recognizing my weaknesses. So I did uh, reach out to um, psychologists and therapists who gave me the questions that I needed to sort out my thinking um, and also some of the tools to, further tools to handle my um, emotions. And I also had a lot of um, encouragement from my friends and fellowship within my cell group that uh, people who would just be there to have a meal with me and my family whenever that was needed. Um, and friends who 
helped me to grow even professionally when I doubted my own abilities because there were times that I was wondering, oh, is being trans um, making me break down? You know, it was something as fundamental as, as that. Um, and of course, I also had to grapple with the Bible because of my uh, gay identity. And for that, uh, progressive Christian writers like um, Richard Raw, um, Eckhart Tolle, Henry Nguyen, um, those writers really helped my faith journey a lot. And also the beta course, which is after the alpha course, we have the beta course that really enabled me to read the Bible again for all that it's worth. For those people who do not know, the beta course is uh, what we run here at FCC. Um, and it is based on the book, uh, I'm trying to remember the title, mm, Living the Question. Yeah. So how about you, Claire? Um, what are the resources that helped you? Yeah, so um, I guess for me, my transitioning process kind of started overseas. So uh, as for Singapore resources, I think you should uh, ask Rain. Do, 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 do to say what resources yes. are out there that are overseas because some people might be able yes, to assess yes. that. So um, I started transitioning while in university and I think, um, I would say a lot of universities have some kind of uh, counselling centre to go to. Uh, and I guess that's where I really sorted out my feelings at the start. So that's, um, and of course also the internet to do research, uh, you know, because I didn't know what being transgender was. Until I until I happened to find out one day. So there we, we would, you know, pay attention to what is lacking in Singapore, which means um, the healthcare resources for transgender folk, right? Um, not just in university, because I don't want to address that's a social class, economic class issue as well. But healthcare in Singapore. Um, I need to progress further in terms of providing counsellors for people going through this so that they can journey um, to get help. You know, they, they know somewhere to get help. Yeah, um, and you did mention um, what Rain um, is involved in. You want to give a plug? Okay, so <laughs> thank you for the opportunity. Um, while I was transitioning and we realized that um, me along with uh, other uh, transgender individuals realized that there was a gap in uh, resources in Singapore, mostly to do with the logistics of transitioning. So whether it was um, finding the right doctors or even uh, sorting out our um, name change and things like that, there just wasn't any up-to-date information. So along with uh, nine other transgender individuals, we're all volunteers, we set up transgendersg.com um, as really a resource site to provide up-to-date information about Singapore. Because there was, that's, as uh, Claire mentioned, there's plenty of other uh, sites that would uh, give you the details of uh, various type of um, transition options, medical transition options, but there wasn't anything localized to Singapore. And we wanted to make that information available to the Singapore community. And when we started working on the site, we decided that, you know, actually it's not just about that because we all had common stories about how we struggled coming out to our friends, our family, and we wish that we had the resources to send to our parents for them to better understand what we are going through and who we are. And that was when we extended the resources to um, include like 101 FAQs for um, allies and friends and family to better understand what their loved one might be going through. 
So to those of you who are interested to get more information, the website is transgendersg.com. And uh, it is really a wealth of information and it's all there rather than you know lo looking for it in bits and pieces all the place and it's very local there's a portion of it that's very localized right that is about the legal aspects um, and and where to get the local resources um, which are the doctors go to and all that um, and so if you are if those of you who, are, who want who need that information need the resource um, it's transgendersg.com I want to move to Moi what about you as a parent what resource what helped you Okay, a few things helped me. One is getting to meet the family of another transgender person. That means, um, it means that we are not alone. Uh, that really, really helped a lot. And then um, another thing that helped me was um, talking to Claire. Really, really talking and understanding her struggles, understanding what's going on, understanding what makes this person who is... Um, timid, maybe. Uh, you know, she's very scared of pain, but she's willing to go through surgery. You know, she won't even like on a normal day. Say, if let's say if she has a minor headache, she won't even want to take uh, Panadol because she's worried about side effect. Yet she wants to go on hormone therapies. Like, what makes this person wants to brave through all this to? To, to, to transition, you know. So talking to Claire in person, understanding her struggle helped me. And another thing is um, having a close relationship with my husband. Um, I know that having a transgender child can turn a family upside down. It may even cause some couples to, um, uh, to, to break up maybe in their marriage uh, cause a lot of family conflict, especially if the parents disagree on how uh, the best way to proceed. So when my husband and I, we are more or less on the same ground and that really is a great help. I really appreciate when you said, uh, you know, knowing that you're not alone and uh, able to meet another family who have a transgender child helped you a lot. And I really, 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 really appreciate um, you and Ji Kiang offering to meet other parents um, who are going through a similar process. And um, for those of you who are out there, families, uh, parents, um, who want to get in touch, uh, please just uh, contact us at Free Community Church at info at freecomchurch.org and we can get you in touch with Ji Kiang and Moi. Um, and so we can talk and, and more one-to-one -one or two-on-two -on -two to, to know what their experience and also to know that you're not alone. You're not alone going through all this. Um, I think if anybody is worried that we are going to encourage people to, to go ahead and transition, that is not our stand. I feel that transition is a very individual thing. Each person, each family have to figure out what works for them and what doesn't work. In our case, transitioning has, been, uh, has worked, but it has it is not a solution to all problems in life. We still have other problems. We still struggle. We still quarrel. We still fight like any normal family. So it doesn't... In fact, transition solves some problem, but it brings other problems. So we are very happy to share our story and our journey and provide a listening ear. But don't worry, we will not encourage anybody to say, hey, just go and transition. That's not the point. 
Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, and I hope that people hear that we are not here to sell Koyo. We are not here to, to give you a solution. Um, what we want to do is to tell you our stories and to accompany you on your journey as well so that you don't feel that you're alone. But we are not trying to convince you one way or another. And I think that that's a very important starting point. We are not here to convince you one way or another, but to support you. Yeah. So, um, so uh, I will continue on from here. Moe, you know, this is the next question. You know. How do you manage the shame when you come out to friends and relatives? Right? Um, something that we have talked about just now as well. Uh, like I said earlier, I wrote a very long letter. For those who are interested to read, they can read my letter. For those who are interested to hear my story, they can hear my story. At the end of the day, if you accept, fine and good. If you don't accept, too bad, you know, my child's well-being is more important. And like what uh, one Chinese saying is, ying zhe tou pi. Sometimes I just ying zhe tou pi, I just, I, I, I just go ahead and I just share from my heart and, and that's it. And after that, I just take a I don't care attitude. And that takes a lot of courage uh, because a lot of times we are affected by what other people say about us. And, um, I, I'm, and it's not easy, right? Even for um, parents of not just transgender children, but, you know, LGB, um, parents of LGB, they also go through something similar. It's, it's, it requires a lot of courage to accept one's child and come out, right, to um, people around them. Um, and, yeah, and so that's the kind of journey. Um, I want to go to the last question before we move into the Q&A is, is there anything that you'd like to share with other Christians or allies or people who want to be uh, allies? Why don't I start from Claire? Mm. Uh, can, I, can I pass? On sure, question? sure. Rain, how about you? Well, I'll just like to share that uh, transitioning for us is just really aligning how God has created us on the inside with what is on the outside. So the transition journey is very individual for each uh, transgender person. And God knows us that we are still the same as who He created us to be. So recently, um, to share a story, I went through my midlife crisis. I have a baby face, so I'm actually very much older. And where I face great self-doubt, and it was um, to the extent that my low self-esteem impacted my ability to function. So I really wasn't performing at work. And that's also made me realize, I think more to your point, you know, when we are uh, broken, when we realize we are broken, we are much more sensitive to others. And I realized that um, our judgment of others, and in my case, it was my judgment of myself, that for whatever reason it is, when you put pronounced judgment on another person, it harms them. Because we think that someone is far less valuable than how God had created him or her to be. And it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because 
when we pronounce the judgment, uh, whether consciously or un unconsciously, the one who pronounces judgment is the person in power, right? But if we choose to believe the best in that person and to trust that God will lead the way and open ourselves to God's leading, I think that's when we actually allow God to work in all of us and we allow God to grow the person to reach their fullest potential. Thank you, Rain. I, uh, it reminds me of what uh, someone has shared with me before and I often shared on, right? Um, we assume that creation, the process of creation, right, is just in our mother's womb and it stops there after we are born and then that's it. But creation is a continuous process. Um, after we are born, we are continue God is still working on us, still molding us through that journey. So it's not a it's not a one-off. And it's also not the like creation was the big bang and boom, you know, the in Genesis where God created this and that and this and that, and that's it, you know, and then God take a take a, took a break after that, right? But the, the, everything that's happening is still creation in process. And that perhaps is something that we might want to think about. Yeah. Moi, how about you? Is there anything you'd like to share with um, other Christians, allies, uh, people okay. who want to be allies? When we first know about Claire being transgender, the world fell, right? <laughs> Came crashing down. But after all these years, we realised that we were not alone. God's invisible hand were there. So if you are going through this same process as we are, you may think that the world is falling, but you will survive. You will survive. Don't give up hope. Hang on. If God allows you to go through this, He will provide you with the resources. More important is that come to your child, listen to your child, go and talk to other people who have this same issue, go and find out information, you will get through. Thank you, Moi. I think that that's a, a, a powerful um, thing to hold on to this hope, right? And that journey, um, and, and I think that um, today we have the social media, we have internet, and we, have, we are able to search for the information. I think uh, in, uh, maybe if you think about 20 years ago, um, that information will be much, much it will be difficult to access, to find, um, and, the, and the journey will be more difficult. But I think that um, being able to connect with other people um, will definitely help um, a lot of people on, that, on this journey. So I'm looking at some of the questions that have come up um, from our uh, people who have tuned in, and I'm very um, glad to hear some of them. Um, and um, so the first one... Um, and I want to go to the, the, actually the second question first because um, I, I, I heard a bit of it in Rain's sharing just now. And um, this question is, it's often mentioned that being transgender may stem from trauma or deep-rooted issues that should have been resolved in other ways. And what are your thoughts? Um, well... I had an amazing set of parents and I have an amazing set of parents. And, you know, they, they moved themselves from Malaysia and, you know, they came over to Singapore and brought us up. My mom was a homemaker, um, but she was also a nurse at my dad's clinic. And we were so 
blessed and well taken care of, frankly, <laughs> that I don't think there was any uh, childhood trauma. And yeah, in, in fact, I mean, what, what really broke my heart coming out was that having to witness my mom cry because she, she felt uh, that, that shame and uh, yeah, that, that um, she couldn't understand and that's, that's what made her cry. So um, if anything, I mean, it's that associated social shame that makes me even work harder so that I can be someone that my parents can be proud of. You also said that you know you went to um, get professional help, psychologists, and they would have right uncovered this trauma and told you to do something different, right? But no, that's not that. That's not the answer, and I think that may that in itself may be an answer to this question that you know I uh, both Claire and, and, and Rain has gone through to seek professional help, and we, you know Claire, you add on to that, you know, to that you know it may stem from trauma or deep rooted issues. Um, I think, I think no. Um, well, I, I, I think no. I mean, I don't know really enough about this to, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a researcher, I'm not a scientist. I can't really say whether this is the case or not. But as, as far as I think, I don't think that that is the case. In your, your own story. Yes. So I think a lot of times um, what happens is that this, uh, this idea, concept that you know, tr being transgender may stem from trauma or deep-rooted issues also is used against LGB people as well. You know, LGBTQIA, every, every letter of our rainbow, right? Um, people will say deep-seated issues, childhood trauma, blah, 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 and all that. And what th that happens is that what often what happens is the blame or a, a, a part of it becomes uh, a spotlight on the parents. That the parents might have done something wrong in that process that the child turned out this way. And that perhaps is a, something that you have to work through as well, right? Oh yes, that was a very big issue for me. I really blame myself. I, I dug through my past. I keep asking Claire, did I traumatise you? Did I traumatise you? I ask this question a million times, a thousand times, you know. And whenever I get hope, get hold of any doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, I will, this is one question I will always ask. And the answer is no. Um, I mean, other than my own family, I also get to meet other transgender people. So far, the other transgender people that I know of come from normal family. So, And that's something that uh, I think a lot of parents need to hear. Right? I've... Um I don't encounter as many transgender as compared to um, lesbian and gay, parents of lesbian and gay um, children. And always the first thing I told them, and I told, I told it to you as well, you and Chi Kiang when I first met you, the first thing I said is that, you know, I know you won't believe me, but I have to tell you one thing, and you should remember this, that it is not your fault. Because that's what a lot of times parents feel. Even my mom, keep, you know, asking, you know, have, when I first came out, struggled with the question, did I do anything wrong to cause my son to turn out gay? I think uh, being transgender is a very complicated thing. It's probably not one single cause. Okay, even if it is caused by traumatic experience from the parents that imposed on the child, 
it still does not mean that if transitioning is the way to move ahead, then you cannot transition. Because that's, the, that's, that's for the well-being of the child, right? Yeah. I, the, I'll go with the first question. What do you say to another Christian who says, um, God is not wrong, why do you want to change yourself when you are made in God's image? I will probably not transition for a while, but even touching on this topic has put, sort of pushed away a good friend that's Christian. So, Claire, you want to answer um, that? Yeah, well... I guess this is not not a very theologically correct answer, but I mean, well, we, we all wear glasses, right? Does it does it mean that you know, God created us wrongly? But or or we all get sick and we go to the doctor and the not not to say that being trans is like an illness, but you know, yeah. If you have a child who has a cleft palate, do you say, "Oh, God made my child with cleft palate, therefore I do not do anything about it"? You don't, right? You, you go and do a surgery and make the child look as normal as possible. We, every day we are changing what God has given to us. And I think that we need to, again, return to the idea that, you know, made uh, in God's image doesn't mean it's static. And creation isn't just a static um, act. It's not, that's it. You know, you snap your fingers and then, boop, this is creation. But it is like what we, I said just now, it's, it's, a continu, it's a continuous process that's still happening and continues to happen until the day we die. Yeah, so that's um, perhaps our answer. Um, next is, uh, oh, a question directed at Rain. How do you get to accept, um, your family to accept your transition, uh, including your partner and children? And how did you explain it to your kids, especially? And was there any confusion from them? I think you meant, you talked about it, but I think it bears um, um, to repeat that. Well, um, before talking about the kids, I think I'll address the part about the family. I think that, you know, being Christian, you hold everything in love. And the Bible does say that the uh, cord of a tree is not as easily uh, broken. And the third... God and the whole relationship is really God. And so, yes, there were times that, you know, we were angry at each other, um, whether it's because of my being transgender or it was some other matter. But you hold everything in love. When you make a commitment to be a family, it, it is a commitment. It is not an emotion. Um, and that is what has held us together throughout the years because we are committed to each other. I would even say that, you know, my helper who has been with us for some eight years, she's also part of the family and I'm committed to help her as well. It's that sense of responsibility uh, um, and love that you have towards each other that will carry you through all kinds of situations. So that's one. Um, with the children, I think that um, we realise that in different societies, there are different social constructs. And when we are born, we are actually a white sheet of paper. And um, a lot of what my kids uh, perceive of my identity is something that they have uh, picked up themselves. And uh, they have um, put together a, a story that makes sense. So, for example, when they were very young, when I was uh, transitioning, and um, uh, we decided that, you know, they can't go around calling a guy mummy, 
right? Then people find that that's really weird. Um, so we asked them, um, what, what do you want to call me? And then, um, of course, I rejected things like Pupuit. They wanted to call me Pupuit. That was no. Um, so we settled for Maddie, which was mommy and daddy. And that's, that was perfectly fine. Yeah. And I think that even in other families, you have idiosyncrasies that are like that. That You know, um, I, I have heard of many families where the kids are not calling their mom, mom, but mama or something else, you know, a, a affectionate name. And I think at the end of the day, you just need to be very clear that um, who's in your family and how are you supporting each other. Yeah. Um, I know that they call you Maddie, but I didn't know that they were the ones who came up with it. Uh, and I think it's a, it's a very real and heartwarming um, story, right, um, to share with folks. Claire, there's a question for you. Um, what prejudice or, and or discrimination have you faced in Singapore or overseas as a transgender woman? Do you face them at work in Singapore? Uh, yeah, so at work, I didn't really tell anyone. So mm, can't really speak to that because no one knows, yes. Um, I think one, one thing that when I was in the military, in NS, I, well, I didn't tell anyone because I was afraid that people would be, um, you know, not, not supportive or, or make fun of me. So, um, overall, I would say that as a very cautious person, I just tried to not tell people as much as I could if I knew that they wouldn't be supportive. And I mean, I guess that is, you know, a bit, you know, it's quite privileged of me to be able to say that because I pass quite well. But um, at least that is, that's my experience. I just don't tell anyone. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, because I think that um, that also points to the fact that we are using a, a pseudonym for you. Um, you're masked up, you know, um, so that we protect you because there is discrimination. Um, and that's something that, uh, that, that's a reality. And it's, a, it's, a, um, it's something that we hope that can change, right? Um, and, but it requires a lot of work and a lot of education as well. So the, one of the questions um, that popped up is, which Bible, character, um, which Bible characters are transgender that we can use in guiding others towards understanding the issue at hand? I'll try not to answer this, but Pastor Ray or Claire or, or Moy. Do you know any characters in the Bible who might be trans? Of course, I would just uh, talk about an Ethiopian eunuch <laughs> that was uh, puzzling about the uh, scriptures from Isaiah and he asked uh, for, uh, he met with, okay, I, I need... He met yeah. with uh, Philip who, to ask him to explain, so how am I supposed to understand if there's no one to explain this to me? And I think that the, the fact, uh, he was an Ethiopian eunuch to the, the queen, um, and he was a minority group. So he's not Jewish, uh, he, and he was probably black, and he's a eunuch. And that, the fact that you know, he was one of the first persons that uh, the gospel was revealed to him, opened up my eyes that um, God really doesn't dis have any sense of uh, discrimination against transgender people and transgender people really, if you look at the um, historical um, annals of many cultures, 
we have been around for as long as uh, humankind has been around. Um, any other characters that pop up for you? I agree with her. Even though the eunuch is, strictly speaking, not a transgender person, but both a eunuch and a transgender person are minority. So maybe marginalised, maybe looked down upon, shamed. Um, and exactly it, right? Uh, when Rain said, you know, this is the first, the first Gentile that was baptised in the Bible. Right, um, and, and the very story, well, this eunuch will have been discriminated against based on race and based on sexual identity. He could not you know, get into the temple, even though he wanted to. Uh, but he read from Isaiah, right, that it includes, the kingdom of God includes him. And, and, and Philip knew that. Right, when he said, you know, there's water there. Who wants to stop me from getting baptized here and now? And Philip didn't consider, didn't look through, oh, the Bible says this, or the scripture says this, can, cannot, cannot, cannot. He just went with it and went and, and moved by the Spirit to love, to see the inclusive nature of God. I would add, um, there was a, there's another character in the Bible that, I, 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 that, that people often miss out, and I missed out until someone pointed it out, right? Um, um, uh, Peter, Peter Toscano did a play called Transfigurations, and many characters that are, uh, well, I wouldn't say just transgender, but they are um, gender non-conforming. And one of the characters that we are very familiar with is uh, the man with the water jar. Right? When Jesus was going into Jerusalem um, on, uh, and he instructed his disciples to look for the man with the water jar and he will lead you to the upper room. Right? Uh, and I went like, and then? So? Because then Peter Toscano said, wait, because right now with our current lenses, we see nothing about a man with water jar. But if a man with water jar is so common, then how would the disciples know which man with the water jar it is? This man is actually gender non-conforming. He's performing a task that's, that is usually, a, it's, a, it's a gendered task. It is a woman's task to fetch water, like the Samaritan woman by the well. Therefore, a man carrying a water jar is a man performing a, a woman's role in some ways. And this character is not, you know, it's gender non-conforming. And often, you know, and he invited, you no, know, Peterson Toscano invited me to see that this is, this is something different here. And this person, while it's a small role, was the one who brought um, Jesus and the disciples to the upper room and to celebrate, you know, to, to, to have the Last Supper, right, there. So something to think about. Um, more questions? Um, how can a non-trans person like me be a better ally to advocate for trans folk? Any of you, any ideas? How can a non-trans person like me be a better ally to advocate for trans, uh, um, better ally, advocate to trans folk? Yeah. Okay, I'll go first then. Um, 
of course, if you know of any uh, transgender persons at your school or at your workplace, and if you do see them being ostracized in any way, please speak out for them. I would also say just be a friend and listen to their stories. Um, sometimes the, the friendship and the companionship means a lot um, as well, especially during these times when people are isolated. And there are also other avenues, like, for example, uh, Jun Chua, who is a, a trans advocate, she runs a project called the Tea Shelter, where transgender individuals who are cha um, chased out of their homes uh, are accepted into their shelter, where they're able to rebuild their lives. So if you are interested to either volunteer, donate food, or yeah, um, do get in touch and Google that and help out as well. Um, yeah, so one, maybe one um, simple thing to do is I, I found when I was, um, you know, still in the process of transitioning that going to the bathroom was a very difficult task. Um, so what really helped was finding, you know, a gender neutral washroom because you don't have to worry like, you know, if I go here, will people think, you know, something's wrong or whatever. Um, or another thing that you can also do is like, Maybe just accompany a trans person to the bathroom. I mean, of course, you know, don't like force yourself to, if they don't want you to go with them, then don't. But um, I think it helps to go to the washroom if you know that someone is there to back you up. Thank you. Um, I would offer one very simple one. And that's whenever we have any event or stuff, you know, um, which I forgot, right? Um, is to, to say um, what pronouns I prefer to use. It's actually a very powerful um, symbol, act, to show that actually you are an ally. Whenever someone puts their gender preferred pronoun um, on, you know, um, on any document or on the Zoom, they are signaling that I am trans friendly. This is the I know. I recognize that if you choose to use a different pronoun than than what society normally assumes, then you know this person is likely to be trans friendly. And it is a it is a and and uh, I think that that's a very that's a very first step, the basics, right? Um, and I think there are there are many other things that we can learn, uh, and it is to seek out the information ourselves and not require um, trans people to educate us. I think that there's a lot of resources out there already that we can begin doing our homework on, and not put the uh, the the burden upon trans people um, to teach us. And I think that's a very important thing. Um, the next question that actually popped up, um, right? How do we make Christian spaces more friendly towards transgender uh, issues and people? And I think um, what Claire mentioned about gender-neutral bathrooms is one. Um, I wonder if there are any other um, things that we can do more f um, that makes Christian spaces more friendly towards transgender issues or people. I think meeting a transgender person face-to-face -face is the best because we have certain preconceived ideas about what transgender people are like. But when a trans person is live in front of you, then what you can learn about transgender people beats any other thing, you know, and that will help to remove prejudices and that will help to make build bridges. 
So coming to that is, you know, the meeting is not, a, is not to tell people what they should or should not be doing, but listening to understand and listening their, to their stories. Yeah, very often I... Uh, Christians out of kindness have talks uh, by professionals but, uh, not about transgender people. And very often these so-called talks or sessions do not involve transgender people themselves. So it's like Christians talking about transgender people but there is no transgender people in their sessions to talk about themselves. So, well, of, of course, you know, we can listen to the professionals but really, really a much better way is to go and meet transgender person. Rem just tell yourself to be open, to listen, to befriend. Just put aside whatever preconceived ideas you have. Just go and see them and meet them and be their friends. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point about just being friends because I, I think that, yes, a lot of people are curious about our transition journeys, but all those information, you can get it on Google if you are really curious. And it's realizing that we are more than our gender identities and um, just treat us like anybody else. That's it. I mean, when you interact with someone for the first time, you don't ask, oh, what surgeries have you been through? Right. Um, so I think that, Miao, uh, like what you brought up, it's, it's very helpful. Be affirming of the person's uh, gender identity. Be respectful of the pronouns and the preferred names. Because if you ask me to call you Miao, I'm not going to ask you, I'm not going to be calling you Sue. Right. So there, um, it's would be the, it's, it's really the basic courtesies and um, just taking time to get to know them as people. Um, and I want to emphasize this because I think that um, I have many experiences of um, students wanting to do research and I always warn them, please do not ask about people's surgeries uh, because it's very intrusive um, and, it's, uh, and, and I, that's uh, none of your business. If they choose to talk about it, that's their choice. But asking it is like, yeah, it's, 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 it's not cool. Yeah, it's intrusive, it's invasive, and it's very private. Yeah. And when you meet transgender people, do not treat them as object of curiosity. You know, because a lot of people have a lot of curiosity about what is like, wow, transgender, you know. They are not like objects of curiosity. Come to them with an open mind and be re ready to just be friends. And I think that that's uh, the, 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 the thing, right? And this, I have to say, not just to straight allies, but LGB and the other alphabets, right? Often we also do the, the same thing. We also treat our transgender siblings um, as objects of curiosity as well. And we are guilty of that. And that's something that we need to pay attention to, to love that person, to see the person as a human being rather than, oh, I want to know more about this. I'm curious. Oh, well, you're curious, you Google. La. There's Google now, you know. Uh, you don't ask the questions, uh, you know, just like people don't ask, you know, intimate questions about you. It's not cool. Yeah. Um, uh, there's this question that come out that I want to really... Um, to, to think about, right? What are your thoughts about children transitioning? Is there such a thing as being too young to know? If people need to be 18 or 21 to drink and drive and be seen as an adult, does the same rules and guidelines apply to children? And here I will, I will say that what we say right now, our answers right, might be very different from one another, but, and it comes from our own perspective. But I want to hear um, your responses on that. What do, are your thoughts about children transitioning? 
Rain. I think that is a very uh, personal question. I, I mean, I grew up in a medical household, so, and I myself, I transitioned very late. So it is a very individual question that has a lot of responsibility on the parents because when their children are so young, it's really up to the, the parents' wisdom in discerning. And I think a lot of prayer is called for. Of course, there is um, medical options um, that's available. Um, and uh, thankfully, there are also um, pediatrician, um, psychiatrist experts um, that parents can turn to even in Singapore now. So I would not, you know, um, offer any op opinions of my personal opinions in, in this area, but I would only point you to the, the help that is available. Yeah. Claire, how about you? How do you feel about uh, children transi transitioning? Yeah, I think I agree that it's a very difficult question to ask. Um, and it probably depends on, you know, on a person-to-person -person basis. Um, I, I don't want to say that you should or you shouldn't because, I mean, how, how would I know? Um, e, hmm. I guess the answer is I don't know. And I don't want to tell you yes or no. Yeah, it's not so simple as a yes or no um, uh, answer, but I want to hear uh, Moy's perspective because you are a parent. Okay, um, my husband and I, one of us feel okay, one of us feels not okay. So, um, even though both of us agree on regarding uh, Claire, but when it comes to children, we disagree on what is the best way forward. So, at the end of the day, like what they have said, this is a question for each family to decide for themselves. They have to talk to their children, they have to talk to their doctors, their psychologists. As a family, they come to a decision together. And I think that that's the, that's the wisdom, right? Rather than, rather than being prescriptive on our part, we tell you this is the right way to, to go, they need to go through the journey. Because at the end of the day, the ones living with the decision is the family themselves. And that is the, the journey that they need to take in love, in, 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 in love with the child along that journey. And, and not, you know, not uh, appeal to other people making the decision um, as well. And I think that, 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 that there is wisdom in, in that. Right? Um, whoops. Then, um, how do you pray, this is an interesting one, to get confirmation from God that what you're doing is according to God's will? Claire. Well, so I, I, I think for me, with, with regards to being trans, when I, when I first found out that I was trans, when I started transitioning, I wasn't very involved in the church. In fact, by that point, I... I barely went to church at all. So I don't think that was really, um, you know, at, at that point. But right now, oh, sorry. Um, right now, I think it, it's meeting other, other people who are, who are trans, who are also Christian, who are, I would say, you know, more further along on this Christian path than I am, who... Um, really give me the confidence to really know because, I mean, I, I mean to be honest, I'm not very, you know, praying is not my strength. I, I don't really, I feel like I never really know what God is saying 
by relying on other people to. Thank you for vulnerable, vulnerability sharing that because I think sometimes um, it's not easy, right? And it's other people who are showing you what is possible with a relationship with God that you start realizing, oh, that is possible that I can grow deeper in this relationship. When in the beginning, you are like keeping God at a distance kind of thing, right? Moe, how about you? Um, well, let me ask the question. How do you know what God's will is as to who you should marry? At the end of the day, you don't know. You just, we, we know we Christians talk about peace of God. We talk about circumstances. We talk about open doors and closed doors, right? So this thing applies to whether you get married, whether you get this job or that job, whether you go to this school or that school. I guess for us, this is the same, right? We look at what God has given to us, what resources. Like for us, I know that if I say no, I will have a dead child. I may have a dead child. Then, under this circumstance, of course, I choose to have a living daughter, right? Then, then that's how I pray, I guess. Yeah. Rain, any thoughts? I think my um, acceptance of my identity, my transness is how God has shown me that we are all broken. And through that brokenness, definitely, I've been more attuned um, to others. Because uh, prior to that, I was very perfectionistic and I was very demanding of uh, people around me. And the fact that he, I can continue to have a relationship with him and that he works through me, he works in me, and he continues his good work uh, in me to smoothen out the rough parts, um, the continual humbling of myself, um, the continual molding and shaping of my spirit that happens on a day-to-day basis, and the fact that he uses me to bless others in ways that I, I cannot do so without him. I think that a lot of the essential parts of my spiritual journey with him still, still continues and grows in different ways. And that's how I know that, yeah, he is with me and he's fully accepting. So um, there's about five minutes left. I want to touch on some, you know, uh, one, a few more questions, one or two more questions. What are your thoughts about trans education burden? Is this a valid reason for some trans are people to be angry with others who don't understand and show ignorance? So the burden is on the trans people to educate non uh, cisgender people. Uh, and of course, there are sometimes people who get angry, uh, trans people get angry that, you know, it's not my burden, it's not the, their burden to educate um, cisgender folk. I think that I will um, bring another different situation in, into the picture that sometimes, you know, you meet like, I would say like my, my grandmother when she was still alive, and they, they'll get very angry at um, the, my uh, aunt or uncle because like, you don't understand what I'm going through. And the, that's kind of like an aging education burden, <laughs> if you want to call that. And I think at the end of the day, it's like um, people just want to be understood, right? And people do get tired of explaining themselves day in and day out. So 
if we, whether it is on this issue about educating other people who are trans, or just educating other people about yourself, your preferences, what, what irks you, what, what you don't like, and what makes you happy, I think that we all have to um, go that mile with each other to help each other understand and get along with each other better. Yeah. I think that this applies to, this applies across the board about allyship, right? What allyship looks like. Being an ally of uh, someone who is a minority race, ally of LGBTQ folks, ally of whatever the circumstance, right? Um, being an ally means that it's, we, we show up and we are also seeking to understand, but we don't impose the burden on the people to teach us. Right, we do our homework. There are some things, of course, you, you know that we might learn much more in depth um, with someone from the, you know, like I, I learned a lot from my transgender friends. Right, when I was in seminary, why I know so much about transgender issues is because my next door neighbor started on his uh, hormone therapy, and I watched him transition, and he was vulnerable. He was willing to share all the struggles that he went through with us. And we were blessed by that vulnerability. So we learn and we are able, me and my other friends are able to minister to other transgender people. That was a gift, right? But I do not expect all transgender people to do that. That's not an expectation that I can have, right? It is it's just like, you know, it's that friendship and the relationship that we journey on. And I think that at the time when, when he shared with us his journey, and I misgendered him very regularly because when I first met him, um, he looked petite, he looked very feminine, you know. So I always misgendered him from the beginning. But as he transitioned, I kept correcting myself. And, and that journey together helped us grow. And I don't think that in his mind, when he shared with me and other friends about what he is going through, that he will bless other transgender people that we will come in touch with. And, and that's not, no, that wasn't his, you know, he was not championing for something. But something good come out of that. I think God was working through that, right? Um, there's a question that's more logistical, right? And for Rain and Claire, have you worked through employment and insurance where declaring that you are trans might be necessary in obtaining it and might, might, might you be put at risk once you declare it? This is something that I think might help someone um, who's asking the question. I think for that, it's a very sensitive question actually because it varies from your uh, each insurance uh, provider. But I'll be happy to take that offline if you want to write uh, into uh, contact at transgendersg.com. You can get the email over on the website as well. And I think that it's also about your employer, right? Whether your employer is, is accepting or not. Um, and, and that's something to, to, to think about. And I think that um, it would be great. Uh, and I think each person's, you know, uh, whatever they're going through, there's no one answer fits all because it varies from, as you said, insurance company to insurance company and organization to organization. And perhaps reaching out to um, transgendersg.com might give you the information that, that you have. I think that we have answered uh, as many questions as we could. Uh, if you have more questions, um, you know, just key into the feedback form. We have a feedback form um, and we will try to um, 
you know, reply. Um, and also there is a, a great resource that's run by um, several transgender individuals, transgendersg.com, which um, is, I think, the key resource uh, um, today, right, that pe you know, people gather around to have the information. So thank you for joining us tonight. It's already 9.30 and I want to end on time. Um, I want to thank our guests, our panelists today. You know, um, thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for being able, you know, for sharing your stories and your life so openly with us and helping us learn. Um, and thank you for all of you who are watching, whether you join us live or you're watching this uh, video later on. Um, I would, if you have any comments, uh, questions or feedback on today's session or suggestions for future sessions, right? We don't want to, this to be the end. Um, please um, go to fcc.la slash hard truths feedback. Hard truths feedback. Um, and um, thank you for joining us and, I, um, and have a good evening. Goodbye.